Welcome to Romance with a Cocktail. I'm Peter. And I'm Ashley. And we're married. Today, we're going to be discussing Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfield. And this is a rather new novel. It's an epistolary novel, at least in part. In part. And it is a COVID novel. Yeah. So it's got a little bit of uh, a lot of interesting aspects to it. Well, cheers. Cheers. Is that drambuie in there? Oh, that's whiskey. Mm-hmm. And cinnamon. Yeah, it's drambuie. I just made oh. a, a drambuie Manhattan because Manhattan was fe- featured. Oh. It was either Manhattan or a vodka tonic. Why a vodka tonic? Those are the two that were featured. Oh, the when novel. they went to the party. Because most of the novel was dry because the main male lead is sober. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I did wonder what you were going to do. But there was the beginning mm-hmm. where she was indulging in a few cocktails. Mm-hmm. And that was a vodka tonic at that time. And uh, I would have thought you would have gone for that. Don't you like vodka tonics? Or you like gin and tonics? Yeah. I mean, I don't mind it. I just uh, thought that um, it, this was also very much took place in New York City. So. Yeah. Yeah, there was a very New York vibe to a lot of the novel. Mm-hmm. So. So what'd you think? Did you enjoy oh, it? Well, I feel like you should go first this time. Why? And how you think about the novel. Because last time I went first. Well, I'll tell you what, what I told you already was it made me sad. I know, and I want to understand why. Um, well... Um, I felt sort of like excluded. Because you hadn't had experiences and you didn't think the way the characters thought? Or because I had had experience. No, you had not had like your experience wasn't similar to theirs, or no. you didn't think the way they thought, or Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think there's I think um it's the narrator and protagonist is very political. Yes. She is. Well, I, she writes for a comedy show and does political sketches. That's a very thinly veiled, um, you know, sort of stand in for Saturday Night Live. They call it the night out. Right. Well, and in the acknowledgement, she says she read and studied Saturday Night Live. So she wasn't hiding that that's what it right. was kind of based on is her idea of that. And so... It made me think of my friends from New York, you know, because I went to I school agree. in New York. I thought of them as well. And it made me think of their humor and how I used to be like sort of like, um, I guess in on the jokes and I didn't feel in on the jokes anymore. Ah, but it's interesting because so I have never been in on any jokes. Let's face it. That's just like not me. <laughs> But I what thought, like, I'm enough. never, like, like I wouldn't have thought, oh, well, I used to be a part of, like, a community similar to the one in the book or something. Like, mm-hmm. I thought, actually, the more I thought about it, I was like, wow, she did a really good job of capturing those, like, a certain type of person that lives in the city and mm-hmm. is, like, doing this type of job. And, like, whether I liked the character or not, mm-hmm. she really did kind of capture that. 
Mm-hmm. And I made me think of some of your friends. Yeah. And even like the ideas of like New York and how great it is and yeah. all these other places are not. Mm-hmm. Like she did a pretty good job. Right. Of capturing that mm-hmm. type of person. Yeah. In yeah, this character. Very well written. It was a good story, but I pretty much felt sad and excluded throughout it. So I don't know. I don't know if I'd recommend it for a lot of people. Well, I told you that the only other book I've read of hers is Prep, and it was her first book. And I had, I don't know if I felt excluded, but I felt so sad and, like, disturbed. Yeah. That I, like, couldn't have said, oh, yes, read this book. Mm -hmm. Even though I thought it was a good novel. It was, so I had a reaction to that one. This one, I mean, I don't know if I have a desire to be included in that life. Well... I don't know. I, you know, I listen to a lot of comedian podcasts. I, yeah. That's kind of my thing. And I listen to a good amount of comedy, actually. Mm-hmm. Comedy's sort of going through a renaissance right now where the producer of the, the comedian is in total control. It used to be, it's sort of going through, I think, what music went through like 10 years ago. You know how okay. music. How now music should. You can control your own thing. You can, you know, drop, put it out how you want yeah, to put it out. You can drop it how you want. You can be found on all these platforms that are just like very democratic, very open. Yeah. Um, I think comedy is going through a similar thing. Okay. And all my podcasting. That's true. They're all comedians. People are almost, all talking all about like how this is like just the greatest time because they can just sit there and make podcasts and they can do this and that. I don't feel excluded by their comedy. And a lot of them are New York comics. A lot of the ones that I like, they may be from other places sometimes. But, you know, some one of my favorite, Sal Vulcano from those stupid and practical jokers, he's more New York than any of my friends. My friends aren't even from New York. He's right. from Staten Island. Like, he's very New But York. he's a different kind of New York than the character in this book, don't you think? Well, they're hip, yeah. they're t- they're They're cooler and they're okay with, you know sort of uh, sort of not including people. They're like, yeah, it's okay. This is for a certain type of person. It's not for other types of people. And I, and I just, I didn't like that. I, I just felt hmm. bad because I wanted to like the character. That's the thing. I wanted to like, and I wanted to find alignment and find mm-hmm. ways to um, say, I understand where you're coming from. And I, we, we could like each other. We could be friends. But I felt like she would hate me. She would think I'm a terrible person and hate me. Oh, so that's what your problem. Well. Like, I mean, I don't know that she was that likable. Be- not because there weren't parts of her that could be likable, but well, because of her insecurities. Sad. Like, that there was, were so many insecurities that got in the way of her was being able sad. to be who she is. That was just sad. It was more... Like, the idea that, like, I don't know, she she didn't like that many people. She she actually disliked a lot of people. Did she? Or, I mean, yeah. did she really dislike the people? Or was she just not that I mean, open to people? I mean, there's a the, difference. Even in the story, she's like, oh, I warned you I'm an asshole. Remember? That was her whole line. When she first right, but that was like up. she adopted that personality. I get it. 
because of her insecurities, which I'm telling you, like this author, like she is really good at that. And it makes you not like the person. Like they're not that likable. Well, I've, I've, I didn't dislike her. I just felt sad. I did, I did, I, I liked her. So you're like, she's the kind of person you would want to like, but you don't think she would like you? It, it was the type of person that I'd like to think, barring some things that were like part of her character, that I would like to think we could be friends. You know, that's what I like to think is like when I'm reading somebody that's a protagonist, mm-hmm. and you know, that's the whole problem I have with the update novel. Like, I don't like the protagonists. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's like, what I I'm always saying. I don't think they're good people. Yeah, I, I don't like to read novels where I don't think the people are good. Yes. Where they're just like, they keep on doing bad things. And then, I guess this was a little bit different. It wasn't quite like that. Right. It was more well, like, not. it was more like, I think she wouldn't like me. Right. Now I'm understanding. So instead of Rabbit Run or whatever the rabbit character is in the Updike novels, I don't like him. It was the other way around. Like I couldn't ever imagine being in a relationship with someone like that because of her deeply seated prejudices against middle America traditional type people. But yet when she went home, she's like so kind to her stepfather and she like interacts well with her neighbors. But she has this, like, New York, like, I'm cooler, I'm more, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm cooler. I, in some ways, I'm better mm-hmm. because I'm in New York, and that is better. But, it, I mean, yeah, I thought that she, for example, she really, she interacted with her stepfather very positively. Yeah, because she had to. She didn't have to. She had to go home because it, the city was closing for COVID, and she lost her mind like a lot of people who were in New York City at the time. And she just went home because she had nowhere else to go. Her life was in the city. Yeah. Well, okay, so I totally get it. I totally get that. What about him, though? Well, it just made me think of my friends. And then I started thinking, well, you know, I don't really interact a lot with my old friends. And maybe it's because they don't like me either because that's the way they think. I mean... I, I mean, don't know. Maybe, I don't think that's maybe the case. Maybe we've just grown apart. You could concede yeah. that that might be a thing that could have happened, and that that bridge made me sad. That's all. Okay. And so that made me sad, and then you know it was well written. I read the whole thing. I know, and you read it quickly, more quickly than usual. Well, I read it before I had to go away this week. Oh, okay. That's all. I finished it on Friday. No, you finished it on Thursday because you were like, have you done it? I had barely started, and you're like, oh, I'm done. I left on Friday. Right, but I didn't see you on Friday. Right. So you had already finished it by Thursday. I finished it on Thursday, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then what do we do with that? I mean. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure that people would dislike her because she you know the protagonist also has all those hang-ups and insecurities i'm sure but then you would just feel sad for her you know if if you don't let's say you grew up in california and you have no reason to like or dislike her you just never really were on the east coast and that's a different Mm -hmm. vibe you might like her um 
And you just might feel really sad and sorry for her because of all her insecurities and what she does because of those insecurities. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, but I do think it's like very real, like how when you have insecurities, you lash out or you say mean things to avoid the conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. Well, it's very fitting that before we got the podcast started, you wanted to talk to me about politics because I also thought there was a lot. This was very political. It was. I I expected that you wouldn't like it because of that. Well, I'm not sure I dislike it because of that. I mean, I have lots of people that I love that are of all different political persuasions, and you know that about me. Mm -hmm. What makes me sad is when I get the sense that like a character – because of the political persuasions that they hold, that they have closed themselves off to people who could potentially be in a loving relationship with them. And I feel like that's something that maybe I didn't worry about so much until recently in my life. I don't think... No, I don't think we would have even thought of it like that. No, not everyday people. We would have thought, oh, people, you know are just going to hate each other because of their political persuasions, you know, because, you know, we've always known people on both sides of. Well, things have shifted. I mean, in our lifetime, things have shifted and it's gotten more, more divisive. People are more certain. Mm -hmm. And they vilify Um, each other. Yeah. So that you can't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And it is like, you believe this, we're good. You believe that, we're not. And that definitely you cap that spirit is captured in this right novel. Like, I don't think they would the character would have said that they like wept and held each other when George W. Bush. Not that she was old enough to care much about George Bush, but when George W. Bush became president. You know, she was like when Trump was elected, we held each other. But that's true. The Trump election was different. It was different. Yeah. I mean, it was. Right. Like. I remember that. It was very different. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had tears. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever been affected, honestly, by an election. Because I tended to think of the elections as so distant from me. Mm -hmm. Even when I was happy, it was what it was. That one was different for people. Right. Well, I mean, I can understand that. Um, you know, it, it what what it's done is it's given me insight into that way of thinking, and it makes me think, boy, <laughs> that's like so foreign to me. Yeah, you know that like there's no way that someone who wept when he became president would ever want to be friends with me. Because of my lifestyle, I wept when he became president. Yeah, but you're you have to. Well, you have kids with me. You have to be with me. (laughs) It's too late. You're locked in. No, it's true, and so just makes me think. You know, there's a lot more work we're gonna have to do if we're gonna bridge that divide, which is sad because a lot of my life has been. Oh, you know, in circles like that. I was in the Peace Corps, for goodness sakes. All of my friends from the Peace Corps 
I mean, even more liberal than my New York friends, probably. You know? Right, because they... And, um, and my New York friends. And so, and then I've sort of had these other yeah. lives. But maybe it's also okay if this book, we read it, and maybe it's not a book that was written for you. You know? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it can be a good novel. We can appreciate it. We haven't talked about the romance yet. Mm-hmm. And it's written for a different kind of person. I read Jane Eyre, and I loved it. So but Jane Eyre is not... I don't not- think Jane Eyre was written for me. I don't know if you know that. But maybe it was. Was it? Or maybe Jane Eyre is written for, you know, anyone who believes in love. Well, that's... Something, man. and Maybe that's, that's an enduring novel. Like, don't right. you think an enduring novel is something mm-hmm. like that? That, but like some novels that you read, I wouldn't want to read. Like what? I don't know. I can't think of an example. I'll pretty much read anything, right? But like. I mean, maybe it wasn't. It's written of, and it's also of this time. That's what I thought. <laughs> it was so much of this time. Mm-hmm. That I was like, we are we haven't even really processed the time yet. Yeah. And so it's like in the midst. And in some ways that made it feel less meaningful to me. Because I was like, it's a lot of things that are like of the time, but I'm not like ready to deal with what the implications of it were. Mm-hmm. And so it's too present to read this novel that's set like – during quarantine and a particular kind of quarantine for people that were living a particular kind of life during quarantine. Right. And so maybe that's okay. But I mean, I don't want to choose novels that make you feel sad. I mean, they're supposed well, to be yeah, romance hopefully, novels. Hopefully so this seemed like a lot of things all together. So I doubt that'll happen again. I mean, I also wonder how romantic you think this was. Was this really romantic? I did not find it very romantic. Why not? I felt like the emotion wasn't the the part of the novel that I didn't really engage with was like the like the supposed emotional connection between them. I didn't feel like it was very it just wasn't very meaningful to me. It didn't touch me. I mean, I liked that they exchanged emails. That was cute. Mm-hmm. And that like they started to share about themselves through email. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like too cute for me. Um, the exchange, the specific exchanges that they had. Yeah. And maybe it's because it was COVID, and I don't know what it means to have been quarantined, quarantined alone. Because mm-hmm. I was here in our house with all of us all together, so I don't know what it's like. So maybe you do just share everything all at once. Um. And. So, I mean, I did think he was kind of, I did kind of like how he had some particular ideas about romance that I probably agree with. Yeah. And like love. Are you also a sapiosexual? Attracted to the mind? Yeah. Well, I am attracted to the mind. And not my smoking hot body? I am attracted to both. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, what did you, you didn't talk about him. What did you think about him? Um, you're like, I don't really even remember him. He no, just was. I remember him. 
Um, he was somewhat likable. Right. Um, I only mentioned sapiosexual because he mentioned that. That was a misstep. I think that was just a misstep in the writers. She told him that. She because said he she, said. I've got it highlighted. So he, we'll get to we'll it. Can look at it. He said he's attracted to her mind. And she said, oh, you know what a sapio or sapiosexual is. Oh, my God. Because she is. Uh, well, whatever. He you wasn't, he wasn't the one using. Never. But he wasn't the one talking like. He didn't talk like that. Think about the novel. Like, he didn't talk like that. Like, I hope so. Um, I'm pretty sure it was it was the girl. But whatever. I mean, still, that was a little bit of a misstep, and I, I thought um, <laughs> that like one. I mean, line, I like, I, I also didn't me. like. You know, I don't like when they just. I mean the the way she, the way they like were mean about his parents. I didn't like that. I didn't know what the reason for that was. Why why turn his parents into these like waspy monsters? Yeah, I don't know. What, what was right. the reason for that? I mean, maybe because then they both have like I assume that's baggage. they both had issues that they had to deal and that balance with out. and like yeah, that's what I assumed. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, who did you think he was? Was he John Mayer? That's all I could. That's all I could think. Or was he? Um, who's the curly haired guy who uh, dated uh, Britney Spears for a little while? Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Was he Justin Timberlake, or was he? Was he closer to Justin? Let's let's just say, was he closer to Justin Timberlake or closer to John Mayer? I would have read him as closer to Justin Timberlake. I think so. Because right? he had like the blonde so locks and stuff. I don't know. I didn't think of Justin Timberlake. To be honest, I didn't think of anyone because it's well, we're talking know, music based and it you know on me like Saturday Night Live. So she had to have based So him. but I would say a more like and a he's Justin. worth ninety five million dollars. So he's gotta be like huge. Yeah. So it's gotta be like and a he, Justin and Timberlake. And he plays stadiums. Right. So it's gotta be and like Poppy. A, and it's Poppy. Right. His stuff is all Poppy. So that's more like who I would Imagine him. It's Justin Timberlake, huh? Well, I don't know that it's Justin Timberlake, but it's a. I, I kind of thought because of the progressive vibe she was giving off that, like, it was going to be John Mayer because you know he's like icon of the. Yeah, but she didn't want to like him. Remember, like that was the whole thing in the setup. She expected him to be just like this dumb surfer guy. And then she was like, oh, he's kind of smart. And then she had, like, never listened to his music other than the most popular song. So it wouldn't have been someone that she would have liked. That's why I got John Mayer vibe, because he was doing these deep cuts. And, like, there, I don't think Justin Timberlake has deep cuts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't either, but, I mean, I wouldn't know. But, I mean, also, I don't think it was based on a real person. But I think it was more like a boy band type person than a John Mayer. Boy band would have to have a ton. Yeah, but it was like no. only him. But it was like more of that type of guy. No, I mean, I, why are, you should have had me prepare for this discussion. You know, when it's a music discussion, I no, fail I'm miserably. Just trying to figure out who it might be. Hmm. Well, anyway, I mean, I, I liked him from what I could tell of him. Maybe he's his own 
imaginary character, like some sort of like poppy ish, yeah, but super popular, um, right? Play stadiums, huh? Anyway, yeah, I mean, he seemed very well, uh, just a very balanced individual where she whereas she did not that's what i mean like that was the part to me i was like i just i thought that actually was well very real how he was like very reasonable and like i mean he did try to get her just to move in with him very fast that was a little dramatic but then like she couldn't even have a conversation she just ran away and she just kept doing stuff like that or like being mean to him because she couldn't deal with her issues Mm -hmm. And he was, like, so reasonable about it. Yeah. So he was always like, okay, we should talk through this. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm so sorry I did that. Yeah. Which very, I guess could be well true. Very well adjusted, I guess. I guess that could be true of someone. Yeah. And maybe she needed someone, you know, mm-hmm. with that type of balanced approach to life. Mm-hmm. There was a writer named Rohit. There was? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah. My first novel with Rohit in it. Um, <laughs> Should have texted him a picture of it. Yeah. Um, so my first highlight is Blue One, and they're pitching sketches. And um, this, they're doing the pitch pitches about... Comey, James Comey, which is sort of dated at this point, but I guess she wrote it. But back she was, when he was in well, the and she was like writing at that time. That's the yeah. year that it was. Yeah. So, and uh, it's just like everything was, I don't know. All the pitches were about like a shared insecurity about stuff that I didn't share. And it just made me feel, you know, because he was the token hot straight boy in a high school chorus. Um, Preppy white guy running for office. You know, a Brewster would play a preppy white guy running for office and guest preaching in a black church. Like all of this was like daily show comedy, you know? Yeah. I liked, I, growing up, I loved all the Saturday Night Live guys and I watched all their movies. And right. now I feel like Saturday Night Live's not for me anymore. Well, I mean, that may be true. She even gets to that place where she's like, it might not be for me anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah. Maybe that's just where we are. Um, I hadn't. So here's another highlight. This is yellow, so I guess I liked it. I hadn't yearned for this proximity to Danny, who'd found success as a stand-up comic with bits so steeped in irony that I couldn't always tell what the joke was. I like that. That was a good <laughs> description of some comedy. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny and I were walking towards our office at the same time from opposite directions, got within a couple feet of each other, made eye contact, both began sobbing and threw ourselves into each other's arms. First of all, Danny would never sob danny grew up in a in a very ultra orthodox environment he would not start sobbing because trump was elected president 
Well, we don't know what has happened to Danny over no, the years. No, no. <laughs> it struck me as totally untrue. I mean, he might be upset by it and understand people who are oh, feeling that way. Oh, but you think way. he's unlikely to sob in, no, in public grew, with his... he grew up with people who think far more conservative things than Trump did. Trump isn't even that conservative, truly. I mean, especially when he was being elected. No chance Danny be sobbing. Give me a break. (laughs) I mean, this is kind of far away from the question of romance, though, when we're focused on this part. Well, this is what it is. Chapter one. This is in chapter one. I know. So this is setting setting it up. And suddenly I'm like, oh, well, I guess this is not my world. (laughs) It was shortly after Trump's inauguration as our democracy started to unravel. My eyes are rolling. Um, that Danny took to calling me chuckles. That was short for chuckle slut, which was a term for women who slept with comedians. And Danny bestowed the nickname after I told him I'd never once slept with a comedian. It's just too, I mean, I just didn't believe it. I was like, Danny doesn't strike me as a real character. I know you want us to like him, but well, he's, he's not a real character. None of that made, made any sense. That he would, all those three things would be what he would. And you just didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. I know a bunch of super parts. I've got family members. I've got a family member, a cousin, who's grew up ultra-Orthodox, is now a stand-up comedian. Like, I know what they're like, and I just can't see that being a likely scenario. Okay. I mean, maybe we. This is going to be yet another short. There's not much to gain from this novel. Oh, and I've we got can a lot just, more highlights. Um, move more. on. I mean, can't you though just read it for it what it is? And it is not a world that you live in, and it's not a world you maybe even want to live in. But that's okay. And I just, guess, but it it was a world I did live in, and a world where I had a lot of friends, and I. Was but would you of, want to go back to that? I still want to be connected to it. I feel like a part of me is always going to be there. That's where I grew up. That's where I went to school. It's where I made my best friends. Where I met the best man of our wedding. I mean, well, all of the people in our wedding were all my New York friends, right? That's true. One guy from Alabama and all my New York friends, right? And my brother. And your brother because you had so many. That's the reason why. Oh, and um, someone from Wisconsin, too. Oh, yeah. Well, still, mostly my New York friends. <laughs> mostly. Right. Um, far more alarmingly, he'd once used the word snowflake to disparage a coworker who regularly took sick days because of migraines. Well, it was possible he meant the term apolitically. The meaning he apparently did intend wasn't much better. I mean, that kind of stuff. That, that was just thrown in as a description. But don't you so, think... So okay, sensitive, so, so sensitive that using that okay, word would... Okay, but could, there are people like this. We know people like this, who think like this, who act like this, who believe sad. like this. Does so, that make you sad if they're like my good friends that think like this? But I don't think your friends are like this. I think... I think some of them are. Maybe. I don't know if you're... Some of them, for example, after the election, um, got very political. 
and did things to take political stance. But a lot of people did. That doesn't mean they're like quite like this where she's like creating a character who's literally saying everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that this is a little – like there are people like this. Yeah. And then there are people who just don't agree and then it's okay. And it doesn't mean you're like disconnected from them and can't connect with them. I don't know. I think that there are definitely people like this. Hmm. But – you're telling me my experience is not uh, valid. Okay. I'm not telling you any experience is not valid. Well, that's my experience. So just telling me that, like, I shouldn't feel that way, that is my experience of what has, ha- what has occurred with the divisiveness of politics, and especially vis-a-vis New York. Like, New York, New York, as we speak, it is the DA from New York who has this case against Trump, right? It's not the federal government. It's the DA from New York City. There is something that happened in New York that made it much more acute. And maybe it was because Trump was from there. They just drove him nuts. I don't know. Okay. I mean, but what I'm just, I'm just trying to talk about the novel mm-hmm. as a novel because this is the purpose of this podcast is not to talk about politics or well, to this like was very think about, political. Right. But that it, but. That's the context within which there's a love story. Mm-hmm. And that it could be it. I mean, we read about like. It was supposed to be about. Warriors. A and- comedian, a com- comic writer from New York who fell in love with a pop star. Yeah. And it just happened to be full of sort of like caustic politics. Right. So the author's trying to make sense of the last, right. you know. However many years, seven. Do you think it's the author or do you think it's a a sense of verisimilitude? Do you think the author is just trying to work something out in her own head? Or do you think she felt like she had to include all this political stuff because in truth that is the reality of our world right now? I mean that's probably – that is what I – yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's not the author working things out. It's just – she but that's wanted, what I mean. Like, that was wanted, my biggest she issue. She wanted pure ver- verisimilitude. She was like, I want to have a New York City, a Saturday Night Live that's real, a night but owl that's But it's still real. her fictional character yes, in but, Saturday Night Live, or in the Night but there is no, there is no Saturday Night Live person who is outside of that sort of orthodoxy. Is that true? I mean, there's also, there are people who, one of my favorite comedians that I listen to actually was invited on and then was kicked off for old tweets that they had before they were able to start, for example. Okay. And he's been able to do, he's been successful despite that. But, I mean, that's, I mean, he would be much more successful. Once you're on Saturday Night Live, it is the kingmaker, and that's what she was showing, you know, through this, is that it really does... You know, yeah, accelerate like, your career yeah. for sure. Um, uh, it's it's more more inauguration stuff uh, politically. Oh, so here's uh, well, let's get out of chapter one. Yeah, wait, how about that? Let's chapter, get there are only three chapters, so I say chapter one. But but it is, was very long. It was almost like part one, part two, part three really is how it was structured. Yeah, like 
Because when I got to it and it said chapter two, I was like, wait, I've been reading forever. How is it only chapter two? Um, This is blue. I'm not sure why. A lot of people, meaning male writers here, would use the Indigo Girls as a punchline or have used them as punchline to make a joke about something that's very female or that's lesbianish or that's earnestly political. I fucking hate it. And so you didn't like that. Well, but I mean, she was, that is kind of true about the Indigo mm-hmm. Girls and how people use the Indigo Girls. Partly because it's sexist, but even more because it's not funny. It's lazy. The Indigo Girls are super talented and they've been doing what they do for a long time <laughs> and on their terms, regardless of cultural trends. It, you know, it's not funny. She's not a funny person. And now that we're, but, we're a budding autocracy, so you, you know, she can't even go on this without like saying something that's super extreme on her uh, political views, that we're a budding autocracy. It's a little harder to mock people. I mean, this happened throughout the novel. I know, but can't you just like move on past those words and things? Like that's how I do it. I'm just like, okay, I'll keep going. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was like I don't like totally disagree, so maybe that's why. But I mean, I could see you – Making a rant about some musician just for a totally different reason. I'm not reason. a comedy writer. But I could see you having that same type of reaction to how people were treating some musician or some author or something. Yeah, I like, wrote, I could see you I wrote doing a that. novel. Did I write anything that was overtly political? No. Okay. But you're well, not motivated like by politics. That's not what you yeah, but that maybe that's not it's not about a motivation of politics again maybe it's about verisimilitude maybe it's just this is the world that we're in this is i'm just reporting the way i see it this is what the world is like for a particular segment of the world i mean right. this is a very narrow view like actually that's what i was like this is like a world i have no part of i have family who's like this like every third thing that they say to you has some sort of like political barb in it Right? Wouldn't That's you, can't true. Can't you, you think do. about I, my some of my family members that are like this? That's true. You do. So this is maybe that's why this like impacts you more so than the, me. So like I don't like that. I don't know why that's the case now. It never used to be. Because we live in different times. I the know. world is different and it is far more political. Yeah. was referring to Henrietta's recurring Are Straight People Okay segment on Newsdesk in which Henrietta offered full earnest updates about the ridiculousness and outright toxicity of prominent heterosexual couples. And that's just like, it's like so hip and cool. Like, let's talk about how toxic. I don't even think that's beyond what I think would make it on Saturday Night Live. I just don't believe that something that hip would make it on Saturday Night Live. Okay, but what about the hand-wringing idea she had where there were, like, white women hand-wringing, feeling guilty about all these things, and, like, it was just an idea that she mentioned? Did you like that? I thought that was kind of funny, actually. I don't remember that. But... I was like, that one, I was like, I could totally see that on Saturday Night Live, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, because you see that all the time, mm-hmm. and, like, that, like, guilt, but don't, you know, just, like, expressing your guilt. Yeah. Um, so I thought that one was pretty funny. And so we have Louisiana Williams, a jewelry designer to the stars, 
though the viability of her profession was difficult for me to assess because she was also the heiress to, of all things, a pest control fortune, that he was deeply interested in architecture. Oh, um, of all things, a pest control that he was deeply interested in architecture and had sought out meetings with leading architects who were also impressed by his knowledge and that he was involved in it. So she's reading up on him and reads up about her yeah. last. I thought that was kind of, that's what makes her good is she's got like all this stuff and I was like, pest control fortune, that's a good one. Because I could see something <laughs> like that. That seems like a real person. Exactly, like, like some. <laughs> too weird and out of the, yeah. out of the ordinary. She has too. these little details. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, did you think when he, he, he like would listen to her and remember all the little details about their conversations? Yeah, that was nice. Did you like that? Yeah. She was like really seen and heard. You know, I think that's like romance right there. That is the most important thing. I highlighted all those. (laughs) <laughs> I somehow missed that episode, but it sounds awesome. And I'm not even someone who wore out her Supreme's Greatest Hits tape in high school. <gasps> he remembered that she had said that. Like, yeah, well, he had to because he had to show her that he really mm-hmm. cared about her. Because she wouldn't have believed it. Mm-hmm. And then there's Viv. Like, she dispensed a little nugget of wisdom um, I wouldn't be surprised if she's hired a reality TV writer to script her life. This is the girl, Danny's girlfriend. Yeah. Are you serious? That makes me terrified for Danny. Maybe he's the writer. I'm pretty sure their relationship is real to him. Oh, come on. As if there's a clear distinction between real and fake for any of us. Aren't we all just performing the roles of ourselves? That, was, that had me thinking for a little while. I did it. Yeah, that's like something... That what you would think mm-hmm. about. I was standing a couple of feet from her armchair and she extended her right foot, lightly tapped the tip of an athletic side against my sneaker and said, even you behind the scenes pseudo purist. <laughs> oh, well, there was a dick pic that was sent. Would you? Oh, think yeah. What'd you think? I was like, oh, another one. Is this really a thing? Because we've already talked about that once, like the idea of a well, dick at least pic. Well, at least in this one, it was like, she was like, I don't like him, but I, it's too late. I, I didn't tell him right away. And so now it's like, like what do I thing. do with that? <laughs> and then so she's like, I texted him, wow, and went to bed. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> I blinked, trying to determine how much he was joking. Could it be that Noah was one of those rare guys who didn't essentially dislike or mock women and who also didn't ignore our existence and who also didn't see us as primarily the objects of lust that he was weirdly, disarmingly fine with us? Oh. (laughs) But you're not a woman. Oh, did you? Oh, that... You're not a woman in her environment. That that really made you think, oh, I I hear you, sister. No, I actually thought, oh, I feel like I know a good amount of men who like women. Right. That's what I thought, actually, in response to that. Right. I was like, Peter seems to like women. That's what I thought when I read that. Mm -hmm. So, 
TNO wouldn't be TNO if no one was offended. Well, I, that I worked that for you. Yellow. So maybe, kind of, good. Yeah, oh, I don't know why I highlighted that yellow. Um, <laughs> oh, his forearm? He had nice forearms. She noted his forearms. I know. I think we should start a tally of all the books. Is there any book with no forearms? Should I just, instead of going to the gym and working out the whole body, should I just do forearm forearm (laughs) exercises the whole time? Well, maybe you just add a few extra reps of forearm exercises. You think so? Because the rest matters too. I don't know. It just seems like the forearms are I think it's just because the forearms are on display. Because if you're wearing a shirt, you see the forearms. Uh, I think that might be why that keeps coming up. But I think there is something that says, like, competence Mm, in nice forearms. I think so. Like, I think that might be. Peggy whisking Noah offstage, another of my all-time favorite moments, had been the night a petite starlet in extreme high heels finished her monologue, and Peggy simply hoisted the starlet into a piggyback to get her from home base to her first sketch. I often thought of TNO was like a sped-up version of life itself, and whether something proceeded magnificently or disastrously, time always kept rushing by, and the next moment was happening. During the commercial breaks, or as other sketches unfolded, the swarms of techs in all black were calmly moving set walls and rolling rugs and carrying sofas and decks, and desks, and before the sketch started, Penelope was saying over the speakers, 10 seconds, and then three, two, and then we were live again after Noah's monologue, the commercial break and tone. It goes on. Did you re- realize mm-hmm. it's like, it just goes on and on, and it's like her like poetic homage to Saturday Night Live. It keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty good, actually. And it, the idea was that it was the live... That's what I say because it ends with that idea of like yeah. live is actually what makes it great. Yeah, and I I, I like that idea actually. Mm-hmm. I think that's I I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and then I've got like some pink and blue together. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You were just like really it. really in turmoil with this. Yeah. Shirt touching up his makeup. Jay was introducing this time. Noah was singing Inbox Zero and then after commercial break it was already time for good nights. This was during the same like long spiel about TNO. Um, already when Noah stood on home base joined by the cast members and his band, and said thank you to everyone and hugged each other. Catchphrases, unicycle, sketch had been cut, but so had Joseph's three-tenor sketch. Danny didn't appear for good nights, and then the house band was still playing at the end. The ending music and the audience was still cheering as I left the studio and walked down the hall towards the dressing room. But what was about that? You just liked the continued description of the... Like the all the activity yeah. that was happening, yeah. But then, like, but then she had a lot of her characters, and then she further developed these characters and sort of, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It struck me as her reading of this thing that happened and like sort of like poetically laying it out because she really got into it. Is yeah, what it took me, and so it took me out of the story a little. I want to say it was very well done. 
but it wasn't a story anymore. It was like her free form poetry about Saturday Night Live. But because it was really, really long. It was, but I mean, you can kind of see like a writer who romanticizes Mm -hmm. the work in a way that that could be literally what she's thinking about. But I agree. Like, I mean, well, the the romance itself was a very small part of this because this whole first chapter is just like, yeah. I mean, I know they have these little moments, but it's pretty much an, yeah. a here's what happens on a show like Saturday Night Live, and I'm a writer on it. I mean, even to the point that it says how much she would make. Yeah, like, it's like really delving into that right, idea, right. Of, like what it would be, mm-hmm. and that she does say later, like this is the love of my life, is right. this show and sure. this work. That's right. Um, one of my favorite parts was when she gets the flowers. And she gets the note in the flowers. From Annabelle? Yeah. Why was that one of your favorite parts? Because I thought she was going to totally vilify Annabelle as like this vapid. Oh. Like she's just a spotlight hogging person who wants to create drama. And she, then she but then didn't. She, but she, then she turned out to be like, oh, there's more to her. Yeah. That's what I like. I like when, like, you set up somebody as a villain and then they do something that, like, undoes, like, this, like, sort of monolithic view of them being a bad person or a vapid person. It's like, oh, she's probably just a real person who, like, right. actually cares about other people in, somehow, in some ways. That's why I didn't like the treatment of her. Of his waspy parents. It was almost like her father who overdosed on drugs was like. Treated better treated than, better than the, like parents. the parents who like did everything for their son but didn't like his career choice. I mean, give me a break. That's not that bad. I mean, she acted like it's the worst thing. But that's not an unusual characterization of parents. That they just want you to be like this particular kind of person. And if you're not, they don't like you. Like. And they did, and he did say that his dad was actually kind of okay. It was his mom that was mean. I don't know. So they didn't fully leave it at that. But you also didn't really get to see the parents. They didn't do anything. It'd be nice to have the epilogue, like some nice thing to say about that. No, they said it. they actually did the opposite in the epilogue, that she didn't go around with them because it was really bad. But his sister was cool. (laughs) Um, Here's... Pink and blue again, right next to each other. I said, I don't like you know. I said, I don't like the you don't know how beautiful you are part. It makes it seem like the love is predicated either on a lack of awareness on the woman's part or else her being insecure. And the woman in the song is often both child and sexy enchantress. So the lyrics might as well be, I'm attracted to you, but you conform to the standards agreed upon to be desirable at this moment in human history, but you don't even know it, and your cluelessness is what makes me feel like a real man. Okay, so you liked the beginning, and then the no, second I part. No, I liked it. I just thought people are really this is this is a conversation you're having in a bar. Like, come on, like this is how you're going to talk about songs. Well, maybe if your whole life is steeped in, like, critique, and that's what, like, I mean, it's comedy, but it's also critique, social critique, mm-hmm. you might, that might be the way you think, because that is your whole world. Okay. Um, I don't know. It just seemed very thought out, and maybe that's what she does. She just 
you know, says that kind of stuff. What made me think was like, and maybe that's what he's into. He is a sapiosexual after all. He did declare that. <laughs> no, she told him that. No, not we'll get him. to it. We'll get to it. I highlighted it. Don't worry. Um, I don't know why you have to label things like that. That's what bothers me. Like, but she's the type of person that would label it like that. It's very so. I mean, you know, I might not. You might not. But I mean, at least it's the mind. You've been saying all along you wanted someone. It's like a meeting of the minds, not it's of just the bullshit. Is what it is. Excuse you. Oh, now now we have to put a different rating on this. <laughs> no, people. I mean. Look, you you can be attracted to someone's mind and their body and... When he says it's both. Yeah, you could be attracted to all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's okay to... You don't have to be a sapiosexual or like what other... But what, okay, other but the central shit. question in this whole novel, all the stuff we've talked about, is actually do people who are far more attractive date people who are less attractive and fall in love with them? And, like, is there an imbalance in that? or And can that be real? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole question. No, that's not the question. Because we know that tons of women, beautiful women, fall in love with... I mean, the South, that's what the South is. The South is full <laughs> of, like... You've always said that. Grubby little men. Who, and schlubby men. Right. Well, it's true. That's, like, the fashion of the South. Like, the men don't take care of themselves. The women do. Um, the question is whether the reverse could be true. And whether men... Whether a beautiful man who's like a heartthrob and beloved by many could fall in love with a schlubby woman. And they say that over and over, that she's like, she's not that attractive. I know, it's very... Um, distressing to me how they say that, yeah. and then they like, and then she like comments on how her leggings fit in the picture or a few times, and it's just well, you know, I, I think to myself, why can't he have both? But he's just so attracted to her mind. Her mind is that good, but he doesn't she's think full. she's. He says that he's attracted to her physically too. Well, it's obviously not just, he is. It's both. It was both for him. She just saw herself as not worthy. But then all those people online were like, you know, it was like they were either like cheering for like the cause of feminism or being like, oh, how sad. Mm-hmm. And it's like both of those are bad. Because <laughs> like, is that really feminism? <laughs> yeah. To be like, oh, he like fell in love with a woman who's not pretty. Like, mm. That's the sen- that's like the whole thing. Why don't you talk why don't you talk that out a little bit? I want to hear why why that gives you chuckles. Well, because <laughs> I hmm why does that give you chuckles? Why is it not feminism? Because why would appearance matter so much in feminism? And shouldn't and a pretty woman is just as entitled to find the love of a man as someone who's not as objectively by society standards pretty. You're a post-feminist thinker. Did you know that? Feminism is by ver- by its very nature a reaction to the status quo, which is woman pretty, man goes after woman. 
you're a post-feminist thinker where you're like, almost like the people who are like, post-racial society would be like this, and they talk about how you don't even notice race, right? But no, it's not, not the same. But we're not post-racial yet because we still very much notice it as... And, and we and need to deal with it, and, and we need to address it because it. it has... But you're like a post-feminist thinker where you're like, it shouldn't even matter <laughs> what they look like. That should have no bearing on on feminism. And that's a post-feminist way of thinking. Well, because then it's reinforcing the status quo to say, this is beautiful, this is not. Mm-hmm. And if the not triumphs, we're like gaining something. But shouldn't you be trying to dismantle like that very idea that that's how you're categorizing people mm-hmm. as like yeah, beautiful no, that or would not? Be the post- like, yeah, I'm more just... post. Post. I am more post. Are you post? You're about to say postmodern. Are you postmodern? <laughs> In a lot of ways, yeah. because when you're too like. When it's too structural, there's no in-between, and it's always this or that. And that's where she got stuck. And I mean, to me, I guess I just didn't really, like. Did you cite Derrida at all in your thesis? I did not, no. (laughs) That's too bad. No, I did not. Unfortunate. I uh, focused on Deleuze. Lose. Oh, you had some Foucault, right? Didn't you have some Foucault? I don't know if I actually cited Foucault. Hmm. Definitely we read, but I focused on Deleuze because I was talking about affect. Uh, okay. <laughs> As a little aside. I don't know. It's just that whole central question, like, what's the answer to that? Because then you're just saying, like, you're not pretty. To me, like, why would you say that? <laughs> like, I really don't like, I just don't even like the, like, The defining people as you're pretty and you're not. Hmm. And like, I don't know. It's It's troubling to me. It's It's almost as if the whole argument is self-refuting in a way, really, is the way I see it. Yeah. That was what was wrong with the whole romance to me, like this whole idea. But he obviously didn't care. Yeah. And I'm more aligned with that. Like, like, that is not even what enters in, Mm -hmm. truly. Like, if you're attracted to the person – they meet whatever standards of mm-hmm. beauty or attraction matter to you. And that's the end of the question when you're talking about romance. Yeah. Even if society has a different idea. So, I don't know. That whole part yeah, wasn't my favorite. It sounds as if I hadn't – I haven't been in enough therapy. If it sounds – like I haven't been in enough therapy, it's because I've chosen Midwestern repression instead. I liked that line. I remember that. <laughs> like, oh, that's nice. Me too. That's what I choose. Um, a math teacher once said in an assembly that the point of life is to find a thing you're good at and enjoy doing, and do it, and enjoy doing, and to do it for other people. That was highlighted by a lot of other people. Oh, really? Yes. It was one of those, yeah. you know. Multiple highlighting. So then you felt like you had to highlight it. Well, it's a teacher saying something, and she said, she goes later, um, but I never forget, and I'm not so sure he was wrong. Yeah, even though she was like, she questioned anyone's mm-hmm. ability to speak certainly about the point of life. Yeah. So what did you think about her... Um, 
getting married and just summarily leaving her husband to go after the job. Well, I can understand how that can happen. It seemed very quick. It seemed very like, yes, it seemed very cut and dried in the way it was retold. And then when she tells it, she goes, and then later, did you get the sense when she first told the story of what happened between she and her husband that he... The the main thing that was crushing to her was that he said, I never thought you would get yeah. hired. Uh, for sure. But then later on, she sort of editorializes and she goes, by an ex-husband who didn't even think I was funny. Right? Yeah. Isn't that different? Isn't that a different thing? It's different, but she took it to mean he didn't think she was funny enough. That's what I read that as. I don't think those are, for her in this character, I don't think they're separate. For her to say I'd never, like, because would you ever say that to me? What? Oh, I just didn't think you would get hired. You do a lot of things that I don't think you're going to follow through on. If that's what oh, you're. But that's different. You that, but, like, if it was, like, something I really cared about. You, Would you ever say you care about a lot of things that I don't think you're going to? But if I was on. falling through, let's say I was applying for this job and it was like really meaningful to me in education, and I was like, I'm going to do it, and let's say I got it. If Would I th- you ever respond, oh, I never thought you'd get it. Would you ever respond that way? Do you think I wouldn't? What? Because I, I would th- never respond that way to you about if I anything. Thought if, it, if I thought it was true. If I actually thought you did some, I say that to Hank all the time when he does something that's like beyond what I think he could do. Oh, I would never. That's talk not like a that. negative thing. It's a positive thing. You exceeded my expectations. Great. Excited for you. But like, let's say I had a dream to. I don't even know what my dream would be anymore. But like, what, what kind of feminist are you? <laughs> Have no let's dreams. Let's say I had this dream to work like for some university and I just kept applying and we I was supporting each other it. always. That's I what I mean. So I that exactly, but let's say that was unsupported. Let's say you wanted to work for Harvard and I didn't think it was likely that you who've left academia now are going to get a job at Harvard suddenly. I would tell you for sure that I didn't think now that doesn't mean I wouldn't support you. And if I got the job, would your response be, oh, I never thought you'd get it? No. You would have told me along the way, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. I think you have to do this. I mean, what you would have done all along is tell me what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have waited until I got the job and said. So I'm very supportive of your dreams. Exactly. And that was the story that that basically told is that he wasn't supportive of her dreams. But she also wasn't. Being herself right. in the she marriage. Didn't. And that was important. Like she had like right. made herself small and like re- restrained. Mm-hmm. And she recognized that she had done that. So he didn't know. I don't know. It just seemed like too. It was. It was tidy. very tidy. I was. Too I agree. Tidy. It was too tidy. Like and then I there has like, to be feelings involved in this. And then, the, you know, it's just a lot more going on in a marriage. Like he seemed like either. The worst kind of jerk, which I don't believe that. And she, and then they try to like save him. He like got married and like seemed like a nice guy. And then you wonder, 
what kind of person would marry a jerk like that? Like, why would she, why but would I she marry him? But I don't think he was a jerk. I, I don't think, think he, he wanted was. specific things. And she knew she didn't want those things, but she was not willing at the point to say she didn't want those well, things. Well, she's not a good person. Well, I think that's the question. I don't know that she's not a good person, but her insecurities make her do things that are not good. I don't know that she's not a good person. How much terrible how much terrible how many terrible things in our lives and in the world have we seen because people are insecure it's a the lot. worst i a i think lot. that's the genius of this author regardless of what you agree or don't i'm telling you this is the second book i've read she gets into the psyche of insecurity and how it makes you act in ways that are not good even though you want to be a good person like i'm telling you that book prep that's what happened the way she treated her family, the way she didn't engage at school. It was all I'm about have insecurity. To read this because you say it like touched on your own. Oh, uh, well, when I was like a college student, I mean, I've hopefully grown and become a lot more oh, have you? aware and self confident than I was then. Mm-hmm. But how those insecurities act, like she's so good at that. And that's what I thought about this character. Like the way she treats people is mostly good. And when she treats them poorly, it's because of her own insecurity. And they get out, and she does things that are really not nice. She says things that are mean. I mean, she does it to the love interest. Yeah, just to be clear, I do live a life of quiet desperation. I wouldn't want to be friends with anyone who doesn't or anyone who who isn't filled with ambivalence because I assume they'd be incredibly shallow. And I'm sure I'd be 10 times more... Ten times more quietly desperate if I were living in a suburbs with a two-car garage. Yeah, that was a little much. I mean. agree. That was that was not nice. Right. And there was no need for that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we have a three-car garage. <laughs> so, so you're like, oh, it doesn't apply. <laughs> um. But, like, you realize there's no quote related to romance that you've read aloud so far. No. Attract- Here's one. Attraction has to do with so many things besides appearance. Well, it's true. Mm-hmm. They try that, but then they, there's almost like they're trying too hard to make it not about appearance. But they made it all about appearance. Are you kidding me? That was my whole problem. Right. I don't care about most of the well, stuff that bothers me. Well, that's when you try too hard. Me, when you try too hard not to. It made it all about appearance. Right. Like, I, even when she had her sketch at the beginning and it was the beautiful woman and the less beautiful man, and I'm like, I mean, and I'm just thinking, like, it's if it's more than appearance. So why is this book, it's like, even though they're saying it's not. Although she, they did have that, which I thought was true, that if you would marry Danny or Annabelle and they said Danny because funny lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like, that's a... Funny matters, you know, or like making you laugh matters. So yeah, that's yeah. a way that they showed, yeah. you know. This is in the epistolary part. It took me years to cop to the entitlement or even arrogance inherent in thinking you have a right to pursue and share your art. I think about that a lot. That's kind of like something you might say. Well, it's what we're doing right now. What makes us think we need to do this in a podcast form? Like, it's that's true. We, well, it keeps us doing it for each other, too, because yeah. we have, like, made this appointment. Yeah. And if we just left it to our own, might not do it. 
When I die, you'll have a piece of me left. Sometimes I think about that. If one of us died suddenly, and then you can just we just like lay in the bed and listen to these conversations over and over. See, there you go. I, I do think about that sometimes. So, but you know, you would could do the same thing. You know, I like to push my feelings down. Don't like to feel big to feel if I can help it. Um. I assumed the location was a strategic decision so that she didn't ruin a more familiar place, including our house. That was when she had to say that. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Do it somewhere else. Like, but like she had such a great mom. Yeah. I highlighted in pink with every passing year, I can feel how the writers coming up behind me are increasingly different from me. So maybe it was just, um, A sense that she had too, but you know, I'm of this this writer's gen- like we you we're of the this. same we're generation. of the same generation, yeah. and I feel some separation between her and me. So but I think that maybe that's she and I, her and me, some separation between, between her and me, her and me. Yeah, um, yeah, but see, she feels it too. Like it changes, and you become distant. And yeah. whether it's life well, she feels or what it gets too in the way, from another generation, she doesn't. Feel it from her own, generation. but I mean, they there's like that meme that goes around about how people in cities are like ten years behind everyone else in terms of age, uh, and I wonder if that's kind of like I the, didn't know that meme, but that's oh, I've seen right. it a few times. Yeah. yeah, aren't we all just looking for someone to talk about everything with? Someone worth the effort of telling our stories and opinions to? Whose stories and opinions we actually want to hear? You didn't like that. That's a line about love, about romance. It is. And it was highlighted by a lot of people, too. Of course, because it's, like, more poetic. Mm -hmm. More, like, in the feelings. Yeah. What is too direct for you? But, I mean, you can take that away. Talking, listening, sharing opinions. That matters for romance. Mm -hmm. Here's another multi-highlighted it was a belated realization to have, but it occurred to me that perhaps this was how grown-up conversations worked. Not that your communication didn't falter, but that you both made good-faith attempts to rectify things after it had. Yeah. What? Did you put that in blue? No. I, it's just everyone highlighted it. So I was oh, thinking, so you were why, like, yeah. why does everyone highlight that? And it makes me think... You know, people have a really hard time getting along, and maybe that's the sense that I got from this, is that people of our generation have just decided to be totally divisive and, like, have a hard time getting along. And that is, like, somehow that's a eureka moment. Like, of course you're not going to communicate exactly what you want to communicate in every conversation. Yes, you're going to have to make good faith attempts afterwards. But a lot of people don't. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to me. I mean, sometimes you know, I'm, I'm... I'm very direct, and I just... And then if I think I've miscommunicated, I'll go talk to people again, and I just don't care. Yeah, but we're talking about in a relationship. And sometimes... In a relationship, sometimes there are people in relationships who've never learned how to talk to each other and never learned how to communicate, like you and your family. Yeah, but I learned as an adult over time that, like, sometimes you disagree, sometimes things fall you, apart, uh, and you come back. 
Did I teach you? You how know to what? You were a lot more like understanding too. Now you like need to say what you think, mm. and then you got to come back. And I half the time I have to be like, no, no more talking. I'm done. <laughs> but didn't you say that the reason you love me is because I challenge you? I would like to start keeping a tally of how many times a week you remind me of that. Well, it's true. You did say that. You said everyone else, just all the other boys you dated. Just agreed. Just yes, agreed and they had like you. no opinions. Yeah, that was like, and look what I got myself into. And now you've <laughs> gotten a very opinionated husband. But it's also like learning. I feel like that's what I try to do with our daughter, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to yell at her and get really mad. But I try to always go back and, and like, continue to work through the conversation, even if it started out poorly, because I want her to learn to communicate Mm -hmm. more effectively. So. Um, She's she's driving across the country, and then she wants to, like, freshen up for... Yeah. And then she decides, I'd cleanse my feet with disinfectant wipes in the car, I decided, and wish that being aware of my own ridiculousness could somehow decrease the, my ridiculousness. <laughs> that was pink. I like that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it wasn't quite the shapewear level of good, but... But, was, like, the fact that she stopped at the gas station. <laughs> yeah. And, like, talks about all the things she did. Well, that's probably what you did when you came down to Paraguay to visit me. You were probably, like, all worried about how you would look. Well, I looked great, or at least I thought I did. And then you told me I was too skinny. You were. Well, I thought I looked good. You were, like, running marathons. I know, but, like, that made me, like, confident Mm -hmm. coming down there. That's good. I guess that was kind of what we did, if you think about it. Now, theirs was, like, 15 days. They They wrote emails. We wrote letters. And then she yeah, like takes a journey to yeah, see him. We, we and then what do I do? Years. I get on a plane and I go down to see you. Yeah, they're old. I mean, they could probably do it faster than we did. Right. I mean, they're like in their late 30s. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of the same. At that point, if you're in your late 30s, just get an arranged marriage. Like, what's the point? You but know, just, well, you don't need to be married. So like, why would you get an arranged marriage? There's no reason. Well, for like, people who want to be married. That's what I'm saying. Oh, if they want to, but like. Yeah. Usually, if you've gotten hope, if you've gotten to that point, like you only want to get married if it's worth getting married. Yeah, like you find someone that you actually want to be with. Yeah, you might as well just arrange it. Just get the same values and get somebody who's. I would. That is so unromantic. It's like I would like never do that. We've read some arranged marriage ones that. Yeah, but like never. Like if you're 38, why would you? Don't poo-poo the arranged marriage. I'm not. But just the idea that if you're 38, that's what you should do. When you're you're older like that, you just, you know what you want. Just do it. Yeah, but you want to meet them usually. Or you don't want to get married at all. I mean, I just don't. But I'm just like at that point, like, yeah, if you don't want to get married, don't get married. So but your you lesson do, for the day is just arrange it if you get old. Just arrange it. If you're older, you know what you want. Like, don't draw it out. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. my- but basically, theirs is a 15-day version of our seven years. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of romantic. Is it? Do you want to... And I was, like, super nervous and, like, came down. you want to pull out our... 
box from the closet with all our old letters. Oh, they're so cringe. And and read them out loud on the the (laughs) That can be our last episode. We'll make our own romance novel out of our letters. It was a good kind of mess, I said. And I also have a a clean bill of health sexually. Let's not do that. Wait, she just felt like she had to do it because they all they jumped into bed and they, they like did it and there was no talk of condoms or anything. I think and so. And then he ejaculated on top of her, not in her. And that was they, a very specific detail they had, that they, they chose to make. And then they had a discussion about whether or not it was okay for him to ejaculate in her and not on top of her. Did Was that romantic to you? Were you like... <laughs> You know, when I was reading it, I was like, like I told you, like the romance, actually, I didn't buy it that much, but whatever, that's fine. Um, Probably real life romance is not like all sweeping violins and stuff. And so this is probably more true to how romance is. Like you talk, you kind of like each other, you think you're interesting, and then you go and you, you know, get busy. But I was like, that's a very weirdly specific detail to throw in amidst all the uncertainty and all the like, ooh, I don't know. For him just to ejaculate right on top of her. And like then that was like in there as like a detail. I was like. And then they have a whole discussion about it. <laughs> yeah. I was like that is. That throws me off of the romance. I'll tell you why. Because she's got sympathy for today. A writer has a responsibility to show what's right to do. I agree, and I mean, that's why you have You that agree? I disagree. I think the writer does not have a responsibility, because that's not real life, because people don't act like that in real but life. But this book is... And it doesn't okay. make you any Again, less... But this book is very real. This feels like real life in a lot of ways, even though it's like these like star people, and they interact the way people do, yeah, I think, where there's there are like a lot of misunderstandings and stuff, that and that's how mistake. real life is. I think that... Those characters would have that discussion. I thought it was weird that he, the first time they are making love, he ejaculates on her stomach. I'm going to be honest. That was the part that threw me off. And that she put that in the details. Because you want to think it's like sunshine and rainbows. And that's a very like gritty specific detail of the act. I don't know. It, to me, it seems more likely for a couple that are that careful throughout their to whole have had the conversation before to not have it before. Well, they should have had it. Be- yeah, I would agree. Like, well, how did they not have it when, like, before or in their email? Because it or- wasn't romantic. I think it was the artistic license, is what I think. I just didn't. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it as like. I mean, he greeted her at his door with a mask on. I know. But doesn't put a condom on. Yeah, I, I, I thought weird. that was weird. It's it weird. seems much more likely seem... that they would have used a condom first time, right? Like, right. how would a couple like this not? Right. I mean, honestly, what couple? Well, I, today know, I know some couples but... who don't, but they, then they have to have that conversation. Oh, you mean like their first time? You know, couples who have never used one? Pretty sure I know one. <laughs> In our time? Yeah. Well, they have a conversation and they get tested first. Yeah, but I mean. I mean, that's not romantic. Mm-hmm. But some people can get away with it. Some people, you know, um, 
are attractive enough that the woman's willing to get tested before they do it. Well, even if you get tested, I would still expect the first time that you would. That's I mean, not if you're truly in love with the man, I guess, is the moral. That's of the, the kind of nonsense <laughs> that men will tell women, so they don't. Triple orgasm hair. <laughs> did you like that? Yeah, I did. Well, you know, you got to have the multiples in these. Why? What do they set the stand? Why would? Why would somebody set that as a stand? Okay, but is that, that for the first time? Three orgasms. Come on. But it's not either of their first times, so it's not like they're like for anybody's first time. Three orgasms. Well, but it was three separate times. It wasn't like um, one night. It was one night. It wasn't like in the first time there were three. It was three over the course of a night. That doesn't seem like a crazy standard, okay. you know, because that's just doing. I don't know, it. but they're that's old. basically doing it three times. That's the only thing is that they are a little old. That's what I was thinking. Because if they were like twenty six, I think that would be perfectly right. Reasonable. It does seem surprising. But she does say, Did you take my hair? I guess maybe when you're old and you haven't been with anybody, maybe. Oh, yeah, it had been like a year. Yeah. But he, she did say, Did you take Viagra to him? So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he said no. Maybe, but. maybe he's sneaking it on the side. Right. There is, a, I get a lot of ads for. Male enhancement products. I mean, I bet more people take it than you can imagine. Because you know how many people get Botox? Like, everybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody. Just a lot of the people that I guess I interact with. You know, they they do ads on, like, my favorite, like, um, sports podcast. That's what I mean. It's It's all about, like, they're they're all about premature ejaculation and, um, and, uh, and like a ED, erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I know what it is. You didn't have to. I mean, they're making how much money? I mean, they I'm must sure be like. Money. Oh, the, the people who invented Viagra. Oh. Billionaires, right? Right. They. I mean, they have to be. <laughs> Will my baby be born healthy and always be safe from harm? Yeah. Will I ever see him again after Thursday? Viv laughed. Will my baby be born? See, Viv was just a wise old soul. She is, isn't she? she? Been... Oh, there's sapiosexual. <laughs> At the same time, I didn't feel the impulse to cling to the insult as I might have when I was younger. I appreciated his candor. I said, do you know what sapiosexual means? Oh, it is. Sir. I knew it was her. No. He would never talk like that. It means being attracted to someone's brain. But it just annoyed me. <laughs> but I she am attracted did annoy to you. your brain. And I'm also attracted to the rest of you. Well, he said that. That's re-believable. Yeah, that he would like, like her that much. He did. He really loved her. He just really liked her from the beginning. Yeah. He was... And I thought about, in the last few weeks, the idea of him had sometimes made me nervous, but the reality of him always comforted me. That is Is nice. that true? Is that how you feel about me? 
that I used to make you nervous, but the reality of me just is like the greatest comfort. Yeah, that's true. Well, I once heard someone, a smart person, point out that it's hard to determine where the dividing line between cheesiness and acceptable emotion and acceptable emotional extravagance. He grinned again. I didn't tell you at the time, but I know exactly what the line is. When it's happening to other people, it's cheesy. When it's happening to you, it's wonderful. Yeah. That was the last highlight. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Oh. Because it's the two people, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, that's not true. You know how we know that's not true? There's a whole industry called the romance novel industry where people are reading about other people. And they don't consider it cheesy. It's true. You take the genre seriously. I do. do. You not? And I don't think it's cheesy. Mostly. But still a nice way to end to think that, you know. Always be my duchess. <laughs> I will always be your duchess <laughs> if there were such a thing as a duchess. Oh, my gosh. But it's, I mean, it's still a nice way to end. See all that turmoil from the book and you end on that line. I mean, whatever. So, well, the big question, though, did you take anything about romance away? Um, well, there's something about insecurities, I'm sure, to be gleaned from this. Yes. I mean, maybe I uh, go back to my mother's wise old saying that finding a part, a life partner is not so much as falling in love as it is finding someone with compatible pathologies. <laughs> and maybe that's why, you know, he, he had to have mean waspy parents so that it balanced out with her ODing father. I mean, I don't but know. then she ended up with like, uh, she had an amazing mother and a great stepdad. Well, her, his parents were pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah, but he had they less were not, challenges than she did. But her parents showed a lot more love to her. Yeah, so they had different challenges. Right, and like that idea that her stepdad watched the Night Owls every night, every weekend, because it was her show, even though, what did she, he say, it's very busy. That's like such something an old person would say. Like, there's a lot going on <laughs> as their way of like, I don't yeah. like it, but I'm not going to admit it. it. Reminds me of your dad. Yeah, I, that your dad. dad is I always thought. very, just very proud of his kids. And right. no matter what, no matter whether he knows exactly what they're doing, he's just very proud of it. Yeah, Always exactly. Walking around with a Harvard hat and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. So, any last thoughts about this book? I mean, it's a good book if you're not feeling, you know, if you're not feeling sensitive about the people that are disparaged in it, I guess. If you're not already sensitive about the divisiveness. Of Political divisiveness and especially. Like and you have an experience where you can feel. New York like, hip. That's what I was going to say. If you don't have that. Yeah. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So next week, uh, this might make you sad too. I don't know. I hope not. We're going to read, Do I Know You? Do I know you? And it's by Austin Sigmund Broca and Emily Wiberly. They're a married couple who write romance together. Okay. 
Austin. So a man's writing this? Austin and Emily. Yeah. Emily Wibberly. Hmm. Okay. Do I know you? We're going to give it a try. Duel. Did I read a novel by two people? We haven't read one. Oh, well, we read Christina Lauren, but it wasn't. It's two women. Oh, that's why. Yeah, we did read one. Yeah, but that's a little bit different because it's like two women. And I wondered how they would do it, and I wondered about their process, and we never found out about it, did we? We didn't, but I I wonder if if they've talked about it. One person writes one chapter, another Another person writes another, or if one's writing a male point of view, another writing a woman's point of view. We'll have to look. I bet they've talked about it. I mean, they're a married couple. Maybe that can be what you bring to the podcast. I'll I'll see if I can find anything about it. I bring myself to the podcast. Well, Thank you very obviously, much. Obviously, obviously, the resident expert. I wouldn't deign to say anything. Right, and the one with the asset based perspective on romance. Asset based perspective. One of us has to have that perspective on romance. Yeah, you are very defensive. I am reading 50 romance novels. I know. I'm impressed. You're, you don't realize you've read more than 20 now. I know. I know. All right. Do I know you next week? Sounds good.